poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And today I am joined by my co-host, as always, for Tactical Tuesday, Jonathan Chai. How you doing, sir? Doing good. Got a couple of big pots loaded up for today's episode. It's only going to be two hands. Um, not a terribly strong theme today. I'm going to go with uh, spades <laughs> being this week's theme. Yeah, I, I would classify that as not a terribly strong theme. Um, Spoiler alert, we don't even make any flushes. So, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> so the spades just... are irrelevant. The, the spades don't, <laughs> don't even matter. Um, okay, well, no theme. The no theme theme episode of Tactical Tuesday. Uh, anything, anything before we, we dive in? Oh, I think um, I just think that these are actually two really interesting spots to look at, and I, there isn't much uh, commonality between them. But I think this will be a good episode, regardless. Good. they're all good. John, what are you talking about? That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Theme, no theme. I don't know if you remember. I think back in the day, I don't. Did we even have themes? I don't think we had um, themes. I think you just like we just loaded. What do you want to talk about, and John? Went, bring them right. in. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what's bugging you? You want to cook? You know, essentially an approximation of a coaching session um, with two hands. Oh, king-queen offsuit again. Third time, <laughs> yeah. third time this month. <laughs> <laughs> and then we broke down 25 king-queen offs in a row. All right. So diving into today, the, the no theme episode of Tactical Tuesday, uh, I'll let you break down the action here in the first hand. Yep. So we're playing 510, 6 max. Uh, action folds around to the small blind to... Is a rag. He opens to thirty dollars. I have Ace Five of Spades. Going to be a pure three bet for me here. Raise it up to a hundred. Ten big blinds and the small blind goes ahead and four bets to twenty-three big blinds. Two hundred thirty dollars. Um, I think pretty good sizing by the small blind. Definitely the type of size that you'd expect to see from a reg. Um, easy peel here with the Ace Five of Spades. Getting getting this really good price in position, and so that's what we're going to go ahead and do. Could jam the ace five too, right? It's not, it's, that, that's probably a thing that happens. Yeah, maybe. Frequency. Well, I mean, if it happens small blind versus button, then big blind versus small blind feels. Yeah, but it, a lot of the time, I feel like it's the out of position player that's doing the jamming with the ace five of spades, and the in position player is doing a lot of. Yeah, the button two bets, the cool. small blind three bets, the button four bets, the small blind jams ace five, and sometimes ace four. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying it's out like the out of yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, wow, it's gonna be a low, low level day for. for <laughs> um, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, there goes our hopes of having a good episode. Yeah, days without incident <laughs> erased. Coach Brad ruined everything. Um, okay, so Ace Five suited. You call IP. Uh, flop is nine five tray with two hearts, one club. So you flop middle pair. There's four sixty in the pot. You've got seven seventy left. So the SPR is like 1.5. I think I expect like one of two C-bet sizes here. This is not one of them. Um, yeah, the all-in jam size. So, okay. 
take it. This deep. has never happened to me in a four by plot. This is the first time. This is one of one. Yeah. So take a deep breath and, and collect ourselves. I think it's especially tough, right? If you've never faced it in a four bet pot and you've played quite the number of hands in, in online poker. Um, essentially, I, I guess I, I'll kind of point to you, right? Like, well, what are you thinking about here? When you face an action that you've, you've never faced before, how do you make sense of it? Um, how do you prioritize data points? Like, how do you construct a strategy when you don't really know what's going on? You know, I think all, all of these uh, questions are, are quite important. Okay, so I think the first thing that I'm thinking about here is just like, what is uh, a rough estimation of a reg's um, four betting range from the small blind? Like, what sorts of hands is it going to include? I think the value hands are pretty obvious. It's just going to be like the over pairs, probably something like tens plus or or jacks plus. Um, and then a whole bunch of uh, really strong suited broadways, like maybe ace queen suited, ace king suited. Um, and then some of the off suit broadways, like ace king off. Um, some offsuit broadways that aren't planning on calling a five bet jam, maybe like ace queen offsuit or ace jack offsuit, ace 10 offsuit definitely get, can get in there. Like a king queen off or king jack off can, can definitely get in there. Um, I think there's actually like a, maybe a lower concentration of suited broadways. So like the king jack suited and king queen suited that four bet this formation. I think like the, I would expect like the four bets, the suited four bets to come from like an even lower category of hand, maybe something like king six suited or ace two suited, ace three suited something like that. Cause it's just super painful to, you know, four bet a hand, like King queen suited, get jammed on and have to fold, you know, a, a, a really, really good hand. Um, so that's sort of how I think this guy's range is going to be, uh, is going to be comprised when he, when he gets the flop. And then from there, I'm just trying to narrow down like what hands, you know, how do I think this guy constructs like a jamming range here and sure. What and, hands uh, does he decide to jam? Yeah. Um, I think it's a very interesting strategy by them are a very inter interesting decision. Um, uh, I, I did look at the jams and four bet pots, um, mm. because you were asking about this hand in wolves, um, when it, when it first happened. And, and so like, I had a lot of thoughts and I, I gave some feedback and, and kind of did, did my own like investigation and, you know, try to get a sense of like, when, like th this is a thing actually. So th this is a thing that like happens small blind versus big blind. Um, mm in, in GTO wizard land, right? So in, in the solver land, it's, it's an available option that is sometimes taken. Um, this board nine, five, three with the nine, five of hearts is not one of them that where the all in is taken. So that, that didn't really help a ton. Um, however, you know, it kind of did kind of did, you know, give me some idea that like, okay, this is a thing like this, this is a, a viable option sometimes in, in some situations. And whenever it is viable, it happens at somewhat of a high frequency, right? Um, and then, mm -hmm. as you said, uh, it's not a thing that apparently is a regular thing that happens um, in when you're actually playing online poker. So, you know, I, I think like for me, the, the first question is like, what does the jam look like, like in, in theory, right? And so a lot of it's going to be um, some top pair type hands, uh, Again, this is not the board, but you know, on the boards where it is a thing, it's a lot of top pair, a lot of like uh, smaller over pairs with a gut shot. So imagine, you know, queens on jack ten eight um, would be a, a spot where the out of position player could four bet rip. Um, and then, you know, the, to to kind of balance it with some lower equity hands, or sometimes there's like some middle pair type hands, or some like uh, bottom pair with uh, an open ender, bottom pair with a gut shot. 
Um, and then, you know, of course the flush draws, right? So the, the, on this board, it would be like all the hard heart type hands. Um, I can't really imagine like, so now essentially like transferring a, a spot where they jam to this spot, right? The, the, the small overpairs probably make some sense like tens or jacks queens. I think those hands probably could, they could find a jam if they so chose. Aces and mm -hmm. kings, I find it much less likely that they would jam because, you know, the, those, nothing can really go wrong with those hands. So like they, they can just, comfortably value bet on pretty much all future runouts. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's nothing like, like tens, you know, if the turns like a jack, a queen, a king, an ace, um, a heart, a four, a six, seven, eight, like those are all kind of like tricky cards to play um, when you have like a, a hand like tens. And I just kind of named off like most of the cards in the deck. <laughs> Uh, or a heart, by the way, you know, a heart <laughs> is another, another one that's, that's tricky. Um, and then like, I, I think what was interesting in the sim that I looked at was like, not all flush draws were jams. As a matter of fact, like there were a fair amount of flush draws that were withheld. I think in practice, villains are much more likely to find the flush draws than they are, um, all of the overpairs, uh, or, you know, even like the top pair type hands. I think it just... It's much easier to see the jam as an option when you have a flush draw versus, um, you know, just just the overcards or mm -hmm. like a backdoor flush draw, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know. I mean, realistically speaking, they found the jam, so they are the type of player that sees it as an option, which means they should have a general, generally have a good idea of like what hands they're supposed to be doing it with. Um, I would say that like if there's a failure point here probably going to be in the overpair component, the high equity component of their range uh, or the top pair component of their range. Um, and what do you mean by failure point uh, with that portion of the range? Yeah. So like, uh, I think it's easy to miss those hands. <clears throat> like, I think it's easier to miss those hands than it would be a flush draw, for instance. So it's like, it's kind of easy to end up just like way over bluffing the spot. Right. And I just think so. Yeah. Missing like the jams with the jacks, tens, queens, but then having it be really obvious with the king, I don't know, like the ten seven of hearts or the ace deuce of hearts or something like that. that they, yeah. That they have here. I, I would think, but again, it's just a hypothesis. And for those of you on YouTube that are wondering what's going on, I have something in my eye. So I'm going to have to do this last part of the segment blindfolded. Um, but good news is there's no future action. So all we have is this decision here. Uh, looks like your equity needed is 38%. Yeah, that was that was like the final part of my equation was just like, okay, this is like about a 1.5x jam because um, I have 770 in my stack. There's 460 in the middle. I know that when I'm facing 1.5x, I need 40% equity to call. How do I get to like 40% equity versus this guy's range? Um, the first thing that I assumed, just like the first baseline assumption that I started out with was that like he just jams every single hand that he four bets pre-flop, right? Like what would my equity look like if they mm -hmm. if they decided to do that? Um, and it's something like, okay, I have like 20% equity versus the overpair region. Cause I have two fives and three aces. That's my outs. That's five outs, um, five outs twice, so like roughly 20%. Um, and that's like sort of like the worst case scenario, I think, right. It's just like versus a range that only jams overpairs. So like my next question is if there's like six combinations of 10, six combinations of jacks, six combinations of Queens, six combinations of Kings and six three. of aces, I guess, or three of aces. Yeah. Um, so that's like 27 combos. Can I get to like you know, roughly eight combos, seven or eight combos of, um, or should, can I get to like 10 to 11 combos of 
um, of bluffs, right? And if they jam all of their four betting range, it's like very, very easy, right? All you have to do is like, okay, all the combinations of like ace queen offsuit and, you know, some flush draws, we were, we're like way in the clear. Um, yeah. To, any to any offsuit here. jam like pushes you over right. the line. Like, right. you, you right. see, like, and so, like, line when line. I started thinking about it that way, I started realizing, like, oh, wait, I think it's like really easy to like way over bluff this spot. Right. If like if you're doing some approximation of that. And then I think like you can layer on like one last kind of assumption that I'm making where it's like it's way more painful to jam the over pairs here, like the aces, kings, and queens, and then just like get a fold from a hand that might have just called a quarter. Right. Yeah. So I think there's like this extra temptation to probably not jam your over pairs here. And that temptation doesn't exist when you have like, you know, 10 seven of hearts or ace deuce or or something like that. Right. It's like it's less of a less of a fear. Mm -hmm. um and so yeah i think like you know those two things in conjunction make it at least to me make it feel like it's way easy to just be overdoing it here with uh without over pairs and and again like i said it's not doesn't feel great to do this with over pairs just see them snap fold you know ace 10 of clubs or something like that when that hand likely calls a quarter and and you know is, is drawing dead versus like your your aces and kings mm -hmm. i agree um and so with that theory, you know, I think it's pretty obvious the action that you you took. Yeah. Um, end up just giving me a call. Let me give you my real life thought process. I saw the flop before this guy even jammed. I was like, well, I'm probably not folding. <laughs> <laughs> this guy jammed. I was like, okay, well, this is going to be the one thing that makes me think about it. Eh, yeah. but I'm probably still not folding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you just you just turned trips. Pretty sweet turn. That's a pretty nice turn. Um, and if. The villain ended up having Ace of Hearts, Queen of Spades. I think a number of thoughts when I see villain's hand. I think, how dare you, Ace of Hearts? Like you would, you would think, <laughs> you would think that like you would not want to have that card because then you have more equity when villain calls, right? Because they can call with dominated flush draws or dominated yep. nut flush draws. Yeah. So like jamming with the Ace of Hearts. Um, not great and actually just kind of leads me to believe that this villain is not doesn't really understand the, the four bet jam strat here um doesn't really understand like kind of what what's going on um and kind of just like deploying something just to deploy it um which makes you know all, all the thinking analysis thought process all, all of that kind of uh go out the window um so what you're saying by like it, it's uh, I don't know if like disrespectful is the right word when when the small blind decides to do this with the ace of hearts, but a big part of like their the value of doing this flop jam is like me calling with worse ace highs that have a flush draw, right? Like ace jack of hearts or yeah. ace ten of hearts, ace six of hearts, like those those types of hands. Yeah, um, it, and it, when it, the small blind has ace of hearts, it just like removes that that option completely. Right, right. I'm not. It's not disrespectful. I think it's worthy of disrespect. Um, oh, I see. I see. I like see. just a worthy of strategic disrespect here where it's like yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't think this villain's deploying like a winning strategy i don't really think they they probably don't really know what what is going on in the situation what hands are supposed to jam and if they're choosing this hand they are outrageously and significantly over bluffing mm -hmm. um and you know you, you found the right decision in the moment uh which yeah is quite nice and mercifully now i'm gonna go to break so that I can uh, take my contact out and not look like I'm crying tears of joy 
uh, <laughs> in the back half of the episode. So stick around. You, you actually don't know what's coming in the, the back half. I was crying tears of joy. So <laughs> I think it's actually reasonable mm. after this one. Um, have no idea what's coming. It's a grab bag. It's a Forrest Gump type type situation. Spades. <laughs> Spades coming at you after the break. <laughs> stick around. Are you a lone wolf searching for the ultimate pack? The CPG Wolf Program is a close-knit brotherhood, hell-bent on one thing only, chasing poker greatness. Powered by bleeding-edge wolf strats and led by Coach Brad and his lieutenants, CPG Wolves are systematically prepared for almost any spot they'll encounter on the green felt. If you want to plug into an elite team and have a step-by-step -step game plan to realize your full poker potential, you can apply at cpgwolves.com. Space is limited, and the pack is only as strong as its weakest member. So only the hungriest, grittiest, and most driven will be accepted into the program. Applications are open at cpgwolves.com. All right. Welcome back from the break in this spades-themed episode of of tactical tuesday um i realized by the by the way um why i was crying you know before the break i was just my tears of joy at how incredible the titans are this year and how they're super bowl bound and um it's just it's it's a, it's a beautiful thing for for the listener you know it's it's very rare that the titans are you know number one in the power rankings in the NFL, but, but here we are there. All of them, not even just a handful, actually. Yeah. Every, it's unanimous. It, yeah. Unanimously ranked the most powerful team in the national football league. And lots of talk as to, you know, whether they might be the best team to ever play football um, that's ever existed. So yeah, it, it was sort of an unconscious um, reason that just, just wanted to explain that, you know, for, for the listener. Yeah. And the listeners like who don't know that we record these episodes on Sunday, you know, it's a it's a perfectly reasonable day to have that thought and come to that tear jerking conclusion. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Queen Nine of Spades. <laughs> Queen Nine of Spades. Um so action begins with you raising the three big blinds on the button. You're playing once again, 1K no limit. So you raise to $30. Uh, everybody folds, you raise the button 30. The small blind raises to 12 big blinds, so $120. Both of you start with 100 big blinds. Um, and you call. I ain't folding. Back. He ain't folding. He's not willing to submit at this decision point. Uh, so you call. There's 250 in the pot. The flop is not, not the worst, not the best. Um, so not the worst of times and not the best of times. Kind of like the ace five flop, you know, it could be better. It could be worse. It could be better. It could be worse. Uh, ace nine, eight is the board um, with the ace of spades. So you flop middle pair with a backdoor flush draw and a backdoor straight draw for, you know, getting generous. Um, villain bets a third. I think this hand, this decision kind of plays itself. Yeah. <laughs> Just pure calling. Can't fold. Can't raise so call becomes it oh the hand gets a little better on the turn turn is a nine of hearts so ace nine eight turn nine so you have trips with a queen four twelve in the pot sbr is around two 
villain checks. Totally re- reasonable decision for a villain to, to check on this card. Yep. Um, what about our strat? Yeah, yeah. This is a this is this, this is like pretty much the only node that I really wanted to talk about in this hand and the decision um, to whether to bet and if we are going to bet what size to go with. Um, and I think check is an option here too. We have SPR two got eight hundred left in our stacks. We both started roughly the same depth, and there's four hundred twelve in the pot. So um you know don't think checking is is completely off the table um maybe we can just start out with like what we think the small blinds range is i actually think that's actually you know it, it's a good starting point but it's it's really tough to actually find the answer to here i think when they range about small on the flop they could very easily just have their entire three betting range um they could have a strategy that's just you know betting a third with top pair type hands um you know i think if you are betting a third with top pair type hands and and you know maybe a slightly tighter range checking this turn uh where second pair pairs ace nine eight turn nine is completely expected um yeah how do we how do we go from there <sighs> there's so many options you know yeah like the flop was really easy you only had one option now the mm-hmm. turn becomes difficult because there's a lot more options um so i think i think it boils down to really two options which would be bet 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 the turn jam the river or check the turn jam the river um you know i I think like hmm so essentially like if you're getting the money in you're generally targeting asex this is like kind of the first part of this equation like what 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 hand is gonna like gonna get the money in with you um so asex maybe kings um and that's it if you're if if you bet the turn and jam the river that's essentially your target so now if you check behind there is this aspect that like maybe um villain can put in money with their lower equity hands right now the downside to that is that you're gonna have to raise the river i doubt that the villain's gonna jam their low equity hands in this spot on the river i think they're more likely to place a smaller bet um maybe 70 percent but you know the 2x with your bluffs i don't think makes a ton of sense um so and and then like if they have ace king right and they bet the river and you jam it becomes a situation of like okay like now how, how, do, how do we structure our bluffing strategy if we check back the turn and then jam the river because th- this is going to be like full of value so you know essentially i would say now that I think about it more, you're either going to target their bluff catchers for two bets or you're going to target um, you know, their bluffs for one bet is kind of kind of the way that the situation played out. Uh, I think if you do bet the turn, you've got to bet small, um, I think. One last question. Sorry. So you said target their bluff catchers with two bets or target their bluffs for one bet. Um, you know, when you when you when you brought up the option of checking back the turn, do you think it's too hard to to do both at the same time is that just like trying to have your cake and eat it too type of thing where it's like like well i can check back the turn and jam over their ace kings that bet the river for value and then also pick off the in jacks or whatever that give up on the turn and might stab the river yeah i mean I, the reason i think it's difficult is that like ace king needs the bet call ace king needs the bet call right which isn't likely to be the case whereas like 
if they have an ace here and you bet the turn and jam the river, um, all their aces just, are going to feel really good uh, about going yeah. call call because yeah. you just I have, have like 10, queen 10, six, seven. So, low, like so many low, lower equity, yeah. lower equity hands in your range. Um, and that's kind of the, that, that, that to me is like kind of the sticking point, right? Where, where it makes it like, this is actually tricky and I, I'm on the fence as, as to which direction, um, I want to go, uh, I think, hmm. I think that if you did bet, initially I said small, but I think you could go half too. Yeah, they kind of target the same thing, right? Like an yeah. ASX is just like, yeah, third half. Yeah. Final. I'm just going to blow everything up. I, I would just check back and probably just jam river versus another check. Um, ah. And jam versus a bet, basically. And put it on them like okay like you know it, it sucks if you fold your ace king but let's put you in a position to where you have to actually yeah. fold your ace king right. in reality and i think like one thing that i know for sure is that villains strategy before they do anything is oftentimes wildly different than the strategy they actually end up doing um in game so yeah i, I think i think like just give put it on the villain to fail in the execution of folding their ASEX and call it a day. Yeah, I was very much trying to trying to accomplish that, and and like I said, sort of have my cake and eat it too. Get 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 the bluff, pick off the bluffs, and hopefully have them make a mistake with their you know stronger ASEX. You know that expression's weird, right? Have your cake and eat it too. Who would have a cake but not eat it? It doesn't even make sense. That's... I don't know. It's like it's like you want the cake to like look at. And like imagine yourself consuming in the future, but you also want to eat it, right? Because the eating part feels good, but you can't have both because you can't look at it and why can't you enjoy I've never I've never looked at it. Once cake. you start eating it, it disappears. Mm, I see. I see. You can't have it and have it in your stomach. You can't like have it on your table and in your stomach. Mm, I see. I see. I still think it's a stupid expression. All right. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't love it either, but you know, <laughs> it's just um, trying to be relatable. Well, you eat it and then you throw it back up and then you have had ah, your cake and it's you not a cake it. anymore. <laughs> not All the right. type I want to have. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cake kind of cake you, you don't want to have. Okay. So the uh, metaphor idiom expedition is now over. Um, John wants his cake, wants to eat it too. This 10, not a great card for having it, wanting to eat it um completes you know queen jack it completes six seven it makes it to where like uh jack 10 which would would have been a bluff on a brick um versus check is no longer available in range queen so, 10 yeah queen 10 all, all of your like any straight draw that connected with the flop that wasn't a backdoor flush draw um essentially connects with the 10 which makes it more difficult for you to get paid uh villain bets small like third third, third a third yeah, wow. I would say this is like the best outcome that you could you could ask for um, <laughs> facing a third, uh, because now like when villain bets a third, like you, 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 their perception would be that you could turn pairs into bluffs here. Um, you know, you could turn an eight into a bluff, like seven eight. You could turn possibly a ten into a bluff if you didn't want a bluff catch facing a third. Um, and so now that you know they've kind of planted the seed of induction, um, you just have to make that seed grow into a giant tree that will collapse and break their skull 
So you jam. Uh, they bet 134 into 412. For the podcast listener, the flop was ace, eight, nine, turn nine, river 10. No flush available. John jams. Villain calls because it's good to live a day in the life of, of one Jonathan Chai who has maybe his has pocket cake, tons, has his cake and eats it too. I don't care if they have tens. <laughs> they had the ace queen of Ooh. hearts, which makes the turn even more miraculous than than it appeared at, at first glance. Um, yeah, I, I again put it on villain to execute a strat where they're supposed to fold or should fold some of their top pairs and hope for failure. And I think like mission accomplished. Yeah. Um, what a run out. Just bang the two outer on the turn and then fade the heart on the river. Just, huh. And the ace, I guess. Yeah. You played your queen nine. Well, uh, you made trips and they paid it <laughs> off. So good, good job. Uh, I think you, you played all of your spades today. Oh, I well. missed the theme. Turned trips. <laughs> wow. And we make it. We make it there. That would have been too many spoilers, though. So spades helps oh, helps you know c- cover up the spoilers so the, the listener doesn't know. Um, okay. Well, good stuff today, sir. Um, there were there was laughter. There was tears. It was just... You know, proto- prototypical tactical Tuesday episode. All the all the drama that ensues with analyzing hand histories in depth um, every day of my life. You know, my I leave <laughs> leave my office weeping after every group coaching session. Tears of joy and affirmation, frustration, all all, all the emotions. It's a yeah, emotionally supercharged life that I lead. Um, and with that said, I, I got nothing nothing left to offer after this hand so we'll see you next week see you next week thanks for listening to chasing poker greatness you can subscribe on apple podcasts or on your favorite podcast app go to chasingpokergreatness.com to get the newsletter join the greatness village community book a coaching session or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.